You are listening to Down Home. The north end of Halifax was traditionally home to one of the largest black populations in Nova Scotia. Back in the 1800s, African Americans who had escaped slavery settled in areas like Africville and Creighton Street. As time passed, the north end became an epicenter of black-owned businesses and important black Nova Scotian institutions like the Black United Front and the African United Baptist Association. My cousin Corey Chandler joins us this week to discuss the cultural impact the North End had on his life growing up in the 1980s and what went into his decision to leave Halifax. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. I am Derek Wise, and as always, we have Jay Jones. What's happening, y'all? And in this episode, we have my cousin, Corey Chandler. What's up, Corey? What's up? What's I'm up, here. Corey? Yeah, so well, that's good. Uh, me and Corey grew up in the same house, in our grandparents' house, in the north end of Halifax, Creighton Street. Our family actually has a, a very long history on Creighton Street. I actually traced it back to the 1890s uh, so that our grandfather's father lived on that street. So we have a, a deep history in the north end of, of, uh, of Halifax and particularly on Creighton Street. Your, uh, your particular time in your life was the 80s. You know, you're a young black man. Uh, um, going to high school in the 80s you know mm-hmm. the 80s they had the uh, the beginnings of hip-hop you had uh, the convergence of technology the vhs was coming out got Commodore mm-hmm. 64 and stuff like that so when when we we talk about creighton street in, in the 80s uh what sort of impact did that have on your life what what, what runs through your, your mind and did you have a fanny pack <laughs> I had a fanny. Yeah, well, I had a plastic bag back then. What <laughs> is no fanny packs for me? But yeah, so growing up in uh, well, the eighties. Um, let's say the mid eighties. I was in high school. I'm not that old, but <laughs> uh, well, in the eighties, I was twelve. I w- I can think of first of all, junior high, junior high at Bloomfield. Um, and uh, Creighton Street was actually an awesome street. It was a street filled with as a love, filled with uh, lots of things happening. The families knew each other. Um, it was a it was a great time in my life. Now there are layers to that, though. Um, so layers, and layers of happening. Mean, what do you mean by well, layers? Layers, because when you look back now, as we're adults, and you look back, uh, you you get a new, a different perspective because everyone's um, perspective is different. Of course, when we look back, uh, you know the different influences that built our life. Uh, it depending on what what year it was, of course, but the different aspects of um, how we grew up. Uh, it it was sort of felt differently as an adult 
Yeah. And as you gain new experiences, as you get older, uh, for example, we had families that owned their homes, like black families that owned their homes on Creighton Street. Yeah. And of course, our grand our grandparents owned their home, the Red House at 2360 Creighton Street. Uh, you had the, the Adamses, you had the Drummonds, you had the Downies that owned their property. The on days, that street. Too. The days, yeah, the days were there, the Iteroos, you know, so um, they were homeowners. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, I, I could always hear our grandmother calling us in, Corey, Eric, you know, <laughs> out the window, it doesn't matter, at sundown, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, those are the memories that I remember. Yeah. Uh, when I got to high school, sneaking in because Granny was it wasn't no joke. She used to lock that screen door. You couldn't get in the screen door even though I had a key. <laughs> right? She used to lock that screen door to get you caught. But what I did was one day I just I went down the alleyway and I jumped over the fence in the back. And I'm glad she didn't. She forgot to lock the back screen door. She must have been doing Guardian <laughs> that day. Forgot to lock the back screen door and I had the key to that. And I was up, uh, but yo, but um, so you mentioned uh, you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, high school and hanging out. So mm -hmm. you know, back then, mid eighties, what what uh, what type of events and things come to mind? I, you know, the one big one that uh, kind of permeated through all of Halifax and most of the province was the Black Tournament. Mm -hmm. You know, you know. Yeah. Talk, talk about your your um your memories about the black tournament and other events like dances and stuff like that. Black tournament, yeah, that was um one of the pentacle events uh, that everyone looked for. Uh, I think it was towards the would have been the beginning of the summer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so what that was was a, a tournament of all the uh, the community teams and we had some great community teams we had some great players they also invited uh teams from new york i believe it was a, a team came over from boston and uh halifax cabal just to clarify when we talk about the black tournament we're referring to the annual black invitational basketball tournament the tournament's website states that it draws participants both players and spectators from around the world and over its 40 plus years has become a major Nova Scotian sporting event. But the website that I found hadn't been updated in four years. So we are not sure what is going on with the tournament these days. Um, there were some great athletes, great community uh, camaraderie. Uh, it was fun all the way around for that whole weekend. So the black tournament was one of the pinnacle uh, landmark tournaments or landmark events that I remember. Uh, there was also something that I don't know if anyone, uh, many people remember, is got to get to Godigan Street. So what? the got to get to Godigan got Street. To, got to get to Godigan. They even had T-shirts. I had a T-shirt. What's and that? Godigan Street. Well, Godigan Street. I don't know if you. Well, you remember it was just down from Creighton Street, the one street south. Godigan mm. was our main street, and actually, Godigan was historically a main street for uh, the port cities, the sailors, and whatnot. Uh, they had the Derby there, had the uh, the tap, 
which were the uh, the local local lounges. Uh, I have some other things. I had the Metropolitan uh, store that was uh, on Goddington Street. So that was a festival that used to to go on as well. Got to get the cottage in street. So what what type uh, of festival was it though? I don't remember that. It was all, a street man. festival. So they, oh, they would rope it? off. Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. yeah, they would rope off Goddard's in Street and they would have various things, uh clowns and uh they would have representation of the stores that were on the street. They had barbecues and whatnot. Music. Uh, so music, bands. It was like a jazz festival at Goddard's Street. Really? Wow. I don't remember that, man. Me either. Jeez. Well, you got to. You got to get <laughs> Goddard's in the street, man. Well, you guys, yeah. But what about the, one the... <laughs> the one thing that um, uh, when I was in Australia, like uh, I remember hanging out with one of my coworkers and he, he would say, uh, all those dances that you see in the movies from North America, is that real? Is that real? You know, I, I remember the dances at QE and St. Pat's and other community centers. Talk about that, because that was like, like I, don't, I, I don't even think they have dances like that up here in Ontario. Like the, the yeah. level of them and, and the, they were quite the Video intricate. dances and stuff. Yeah. Well, Queen Elizabeth was, um, I believe before St. Patrick's uh, had the video dance, if I'm not mistaken. Someone may have to correct me on that, but um, we had video dances from the local radio station C100. Uh, one of the <laughs> biggest songs was Push It from uh, uh, Salt and Pepper. That was played about seven times <laughs> throughout the night, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> and Life is a Highway was a big one. But yeah. anyway, um, so, you know, you had Push It. Um, but the dances were um, something that, it was a styling and profiling and a posturing aspect and it was also good fun um so qe would compete with st pat's usually uh, who had the best dances and sometimes qe people would go to st pat's uh to go to the dances and then they started limiting how many people could go you know how that goes limiting dress codes and whatnot <laughs> so um yeah so in regards to the dances um they were a big part of high school for sure. Um, I played football in high school. So um, the last two years, the last three years in high school, I should say. Um, and so we were a part of the, how could you say, the administrative coat check and bouncing. We did that for fundraising and stuff. So I did have much time to dilly dally or, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, I remember the dances were a big part. Uh, there was lots happening there. What um, what was it like for you in high school as far as, you know, like you say, Creighton Street, a long history, uh, the North End, the Black community, and then going to QEH and sort of mixing outside of that because you had people coming from all different sort of districts, like from Spryfield to the, the South End to the North End. How, how was that for you on a cultural standpoint? Well, well, we just talking about in regards to high school, going to high school. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, a lot of people um, ask me uh, here in Ontario, in general, in Toronto, what was Halifax like? And well, I say to them, well, Halifax, 
I grew up with Greek. I grew up with Lebanese. We had Korean. We had Indian. We had we had a lot of multicultural. So in and in, in retrospect, Halifax was a microcosm of Toronto. It was. Very and you found that in the North End. Like, found that in the North End. Yeah, it was true. North End. I, a lot I, you of family-owned businesses. Exactly, family-owned businesses. People that we know, we know today, as you guys know, uh, that uh, are various ethnic backgrounds. Um, so it, uh, when I moved here, it wasn't um, so much of a culture shock to see, is this on a larger scale? Um, you know, those things. So in, I, I can always say, in growing up in high school in Halifax, you know, growing up in general, it was a multicultural base. And uh, it, it's no different from the representative of what's going on in Canada in general. Mm-hmm. Although there's a different feel, um, it's a different place. It's not, there's no subtle ethnic, um, should I say, well, I'm not going to cut the, the ethnic discrimination. It's not subtle in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go most places uh, in Canada, it's subtle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we grew up with a lot of different ethnic backgrounds, different ethnic people that we know today. And, you know. So that so, didn't affect you as much. You were kind of prepared for it, I guess. Yeah. Prepared for it, definitely. Yeah. And and what role did the 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 church play in your life? Obviously, your grandmother, Edith Chandler, head deaconess mm-hmm. of yes. Cornwall Street Baptist Church, which was yeah. the church as far as the North End community goes. I lived in Spryfield, Klein Heights, I should say, and we'd yeah. come every Sunday. So yeah. there was always a sense of Black community, and our grandparents and different family members that actually grew up on Creighton Street were heavily involved in the culture of and leaders of the church. What impact did that have on your life? Well, uh, huge. Um, and I think Derek can attest to that. As far as, as long as I can remember uh, understanding the English language, so to speak. So that would be three, four, as I can remember, zoning in. It's almost like when you're a child, this is my perception of things. You're waking up and it slowly comes in and you hear voices, you understand English. So what the interpretation was, our grandmother used to read the Bible to us every single Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, we probably heard the Bible from cover to cover. I would say in our, in our lifetime with our grandmother, myself, probably three times in general. Yeah. 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 Like through, she would read it. And she would save the place and come back and we'd read again. Sometimes it would be throughout the week as well. And as you mm-hmm. mentioned, she was a deaconess of the church, but uh, before, well, de- deaconess, and she was high standing in the church. So we would sometimes go to church um, maybe three times a Sunday, uh, yeah. at min- yeah. uh, two times minimum. And you know yeah. that, Jay. So yeah. Uh, now what that did, I watched my grandmother and... I, I, my perception of my grandmother uh, was of our grandmother there was um, she was more spiritual than religious. Yeah. I agree. So yeah, that built a spiritual base for me mm-hmm. um, going forward and still does. So um, it was huge 
Kamala Street Baptist Church. Reverend Mack um, was huge, and he was a good, he was an excellent preacher. Yeah, he, he was good at his it. sermons. He was he good, at, good his at his sermons. He could bring it. He could convince you. Yeah. What about <laughs> um, what about uh, the upper room? You the upper room talk was a secret. Derek, I don't know if Derek can go back to the annals of his mind and he'd have to hypnotize him. Maybe he was young because what he didn't go to daycare sometimes, and, and Nanny would take him to the upper room with him. I would come there to bring her her lunch, or she would if she had an errand for me to run. I would come up there briefly, and I knew it was a secret place. It would, it would hush when. So what were they? What, so what were they doing in the upper room? Well, the upper room was. Um... It was a collection of uh, deacons and deaconesses that um, went a little bit deeper into their Bible study uh, than your average parishioner. So, uh, and they would they would pick out the text texts of the Bible and interpret yeah. certain things like the Book of Revelations. Interpret. Yeah, deeply yeah. interpret. Yeah, and, and they had, like, but they had special books. Mm-hmm. They had different books. <laughs> they just didn't have the Bible. So. There was something that was upper going on up in an upper room. Something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I was I was there while it was happening a couple of times, but I was too young to sort of understand, right? Mm. But, yeah. But because uh, no, they had it in the center, that said my grandfather ran. You know. Yeah. 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 Deacon Jones. Deacon so, Jones. Uh, after all that, like you know, strong sense of community. Uh, you know, a good family upbringing, um, you know, good high school. What made you leap to move to Toronto? Yeah, that's a good question, although it's also a layered question. Um, well, for me, Halifax had a ceiling. Growing up, as deep and rich as the history was of our forefathers and foremothers, um, and Halifax does have a deep history. It was a ceiling for me. So I felt stagnant. That was the first thing. Because sure enough, after going getting from school, I could have stayed there and probably gotten a job. Um, uh, but I needed to, to move, to stress my legs, so to speak. And I mm-hmm. felt that leaving Halifax uh, was the best thing for me and, and to avoid frustration and to avoid depression. Um, and you're right, Jay, it was a great high school, um, great university. I went to Dalhousie University. Uh, we, I also had uh, friends, close friends, a few close friends that um, felt the same way. And so we all moved at the, up to Ontario at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a great support system but getting back to Halifax, there were few opportunities at the time right. in order to, uh, you know, earn a living uh, for various reasons. And again, mm-hmm. that's a discussion for another another show. But <laughs> to, to put it plainly, there wasn't much opportunities for uh, young black men in Halifax at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we can we can get into that, man. It's not. Um, it's yeah, not, it's not taboo. Not any, it's not any secret. Like um, <laughs> I, I sent a link to um, Jay, and it was um, 
uh, National Film Board uh, mini doc on Rocky Jones, and he was uh, speaking at Kawacha House. Yeah. And he was talking about an instance, and this was like 1969, 1970. Yeah. And he was talking about how um, a friend of his went down to, to Godican Street and he was he was looking for a job. So he went to the Cove Theater, the Cove mm. Theater. Remember the Cove? Yes, the Cove and, and the casino. Yeah. yeah, the Cove and the casino. So he went to the Cove Theater and he was like, you know, had his resume in hand. He was, he was, you know, dressed well. He went to the theater and said, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a job. Do you have any jobs? You know, I got my resume here. And the uh, theater manager said, Nope, no jobs here. The guy's friend went back the next day and the guy's friend was white. Went yeah. back the next day, same thing, same uh, procedure and yeah. got a job. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Halifax is not immune to systemic racism. And not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And the thing about it is this. Because of the size, and that this is no excuse, because of the size of the area or the, the metropolitan area of Halifax and Nova Scotia, mm -hmm. you're going to get a more of a systemic situation. But I'm going to tell you, uh, the opportunities were more for me in Ontario, in Toronto here, but the same systemic situation is, prevails here as well, uh, but it's more subtle. Yeah. 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 So you may get the job, but you're ostracized. You're uh, given uh, assignments that are set up to fail. You're, uh, so, you know, it still does purvey and persist here, although it's not in every situation. Uh, because of the large size of the city and the large population base, the large ethnic base. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of not really economically viable for them to, uh, you know, to, to keep it going. But in Halifax, yes, it, it persists more constantly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's more than fair. Uh, so to... Uh, there are there is more opportunity up here in Toronto as a whole, um, and that's why a lot of us have moved away. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, Unfortunately, uh, just because we're not there now doesn't mean that we don't support, and uh, we may not even return one day to support our you know our province, our our place of our home, right? So, mm. well, either yeah. way, it's still home though. I guess it is still. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, systemic racism is just, you know, rapid um, everywhere <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, you know, growing up in Halifax, another thing is that I wanted to convey is that when you grow up in Halifax, you can basically live anywhere in the world. And that was my, uh, that's my take on things. Uh, here in Ontario, as I said, it's subtle, it's softer, but in it, but subtle racism is 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 not uh, is actually worse than direct. But around the world, it's sort of the same thing. But you have to persist. You have to be. You educate yourself. You have to um, play the right situation and have the right attitude. And that's what it's all about. 
You have to, you know, you have to per persist. And we are good at persisting. So you're saying that uh, growing up in Halifax gave you those skills. Exactly. Okay. So they gave me the, they gave us the skills to, and a lot of people they're in, they don't realize. I guess until they may travel, they gave you the skills not only to uh, move within very various crowds, but to also recognize what you need to do to react in certain situations because it's not always fight the power. It's to observe the power and to know how uh, to defeat it, it, it diplomatically um, yeah. because it's, it's a mind game. It's a conscious game. And we have to learn how to, um, we have to learn how to beat them at that game at their own, yeah. uh, their own means, right? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, this for sure. It's been cool reminiscing about Creighton Street. That's for sure. Oh. Did you get any other thoughts about Creighton Street before we, uh, we wrap up? Red House on Creighton Street. Uh, well, we, you know, we have a lot of friends that may come up to you in, in years to come. Uh, I don't want to say any names, but we have a lot of prominent and memorable names on Creighton Street. I remember there's so many good memories. As I said, it's layered. When you look back as an adult, when I look back as an adult, hmm. It was a good run. It was a good time. It was a, a great time. It was, you know, I'd have it no other way. I always say I have it no other way but to grow up where I did in Nova Scotia, and I would have it no other way in any other day. Sorry to rhyme, Jay. That's your <laughs> job. You're, you're getting better. Yeah. <laughs> you said three rhyme words in a row. Yeah. Jay Jones, yeah, take, no. take us old. Take us old, man. Yeah, well, Corey, I mean, you're our brother. Um, we've been friends for a long time, and uh, okay. it's good for you to share your story, but a little bit about where you came from, a little bit of what you saw with Derek and, and talking about that strong Black community in Halifax. And, of course, shout out to, you know, Edith Chandler. Yes. And, um, you know, a very strong woman. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming on and sharing a little bit about it yourself, you know? Awesome. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. And as I said, there's a layered situation. So, you know, we hope to talk about that in another another time, another place. So we have to really watch watch what's going on with the onions, I guess, huh? You know? Exactly. With many <laughs> layers. Many layers, guys. <laughs> the layers of the onion. Breaking new crab, breaking new crab. You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Simple breaking new ground, breaking new ground, The song Breaking New Ground from the breakdown. On a high plateau, from the one down below to the future of the funk, getting lost in the flow. Contact with